Welcome to Casual Talk Radio Podcast found at casualtalkradio.net. My name is Leister, I'm your host. Thank you for dialing in today, whether you're an existing subscriber or a new listener. We welcome everybody. Got a couple things to get out of the way first, and then we're going to get right into our topic for today. Casualtalkradio.net. That's our website. Check it out for all of our different podcast episodes, past and present. We're constantly making updates. We're refining the website experience. If you have any feedback, we'd appreciate hearing it. You can hit the contact link at the top, fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air. Who knows? Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. I, if it wasn't clear and apparent, I'm still stuck here. And I'm stuck here not because of, like, I could set out the car fiasco. I'm not going to get a resolution. And I want to tell you why, but I'm not going to get a resolution. So I, I could set out, and plan is to set out probably this weekend. But unfortunately, there's things going on this week, and I don't know. I got to play it by ear, but I, I don't want to pay rent again in the current place. I really don't. And then I've been paying rent in the new place. I've already paid two months of rent, haven't stepped foot in the place, which is annoying. And you're probably shaking your head because I'm paying rent in two places. It's not that I can't afford it. I was checking balances and everything. I'm good as far as money goes. Um, I'm pretty much set, but I have to stop paying dual rent because there's no reason to. So I, I've bantied around in my head and I'm planning to get out of here this weekend. It may or may not go, but that's the plan. We'll see how it all works out. The fiasco with the car. So the car, I think I mentioned on a past episode here, the car itself is fine. It's been fine. It's drivable. I had to do a catalytic converter replacement, which is one of the most expensive things you can do on a car. So that's done. It's been working fine. I've been driving it around town for different things and has not had any issues. So it's not a, there's no mechanical issue I can foresee. The thing is, I can tell the car was just, mismanaged. It was not taken care of by the previous owners. And then I went to go to a service. I talked about going down to the bodega and get the thing registered. And I paid cash, pay cash, right? So they called me and they weren't able to do it because the state of Nevada is forcing it because of what I consider stupidity, but they're forcing it to be registered as a salvage title, even though there's nothing wrong with the car. What happened was in the past, it had been reported stolen the insurance company paid whoever it was stolen from, but they got it back. So because they got it back, they should not have registered as a total loss because it wasn't a loss because they got it back. So part of the problem with this, I think, is the insurance company submitting on a total loss situation when they really should not have because the car was not. But because of this, Nevada wants to force it to be a salvage title, and I'm fighting it because there's nothing wrong with the car. There are criteria to salvage titles. The underbody, basically, if the underbody was toast or significant body damage, it's totally not drivable. It was significant replacements of stuff like a rebuilt engine or that kind of thing. None of that happened. Like, there was nothing wrong with the car. Just the fact that the insurance company had registered it as a loss prior to them recouping it. So I've been fighting this left and right. And eventually they said, you know, we, there's nothing we can do. And I got my money back cash. So I got cash back in the vault. That's good. But also... I, I need to call the new state where I'm going to see if they have the same rule where they're going to force it to be a salvage title. And if you didn't know, when a car is registered salvage title, it's going to lose significant of its value when you go to trade it in. So I can drive it, but then if I'm registered as a salvage, at least Nevada, 
they require you basically to sell it anyway if it's a salvage title. It's this whole scam. I think it's a scam. Then they had the rebuilt. Well, I can't do a rebuilt because nothing was rebuilt. So they lock you in a corner through no fault of your own, really. I talked to an attorney. The attorney said it's going to be a challenging case because it was a theft that was valid and that was disclosed. The only thing we're having a contention with is why it has to be registered as a salvage if it never had a salvage title, never salvage brand. So now I'm debating, okay, do I just eat the drive and the, the uh, temp pass I've got on there is good for up to the beginning of April. Do I eat the drive? I need to call the new state, see if they're willing to even take it without registering salvage. If they're not, my only recourse is to basically sell it to a salvaging yard, which I think is a waste because the car is perfectly fine. It actually drives reasonably like a new car after I replace the cat converter. And of course, that's a lot of money invested for the car and the cat converter and everything else that I, you know, the tune-ups and everything else that I did, the check engine light analysis, everything else, a lot of money put in that I don't want to have to, you know, burn just because of semantics. I think it's semantics. So that's what's holding me back from just going ahead and doing is I need to talk to the new state, see if they're willing to register without the salvage indicator. And if they are, then I'm all on board. The other thing is they need proof of residency. And I think since I've been basically burning rent for two months, I can use the lease to quantify that, but I'm not sure. Could be that they need a bill of some kind and I have not activated utilities. So if that's true, I need to just talk to the state, talk it out, see what my options are. If they take the lease, we're good. If they don't take the lease, I have to turn on utilities, even though I'm not there, which bothers me, but I turn at least one utility, get that activated, get that going. Once that's going, they actually let you do it online, which is pretty freaking slick. So I can probably try to do that, see if I can get the process done, never having to step foot in a location except when I'm ready to do the title part. So that's on deck. So I don't know if I'm going to be leaving this weekend, but right now in my head, I'm thinking maybe I need to, so I don't have to pay another rent. Separately now, there's other stuff going on. If you haven't noticed, we're getting closer to tax filing season. And I thought I would take a few minutes to talk about it. I've not done my taxes yet. Normally I'd have my taxes done by January because I'm dealing with this other fiasco with the car and relocation and everything else. And because I've got other personal things going, plus my endeavors, I'm a little, little bit delayed. Plus I was waiting on this other joker, one of the endeavors to send me a 1099. He is not yet. So I have not done my taxes yet, but I'm going to have to do it. I will owe money, eh, a fair bit of money because with 2022, that was my recovery year. Um, even though it was my recovery year and it was mid-year, I still made quite a bit of money. But with my first endeavor, I made quite a bit of money throughout. So I'm going to owe some pretty amount of money, you know, because it's a 1099 and it is what it is. Separately, I have the second endeavor. Second endeavor is W-2. That's reportable. So I'll have, a, I'll have to definitely do that one. That's going to be a fair chunk of money too. So I'm going to have to figure out what all that looks like. Big picture though. Once I figure all that out, then I've already got the money in the bank ready to put a payment plan and make it go away. So I'm not too worried about it. But taxes, the funny thing, I was talking to my brother um, and he apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently he had for years was pulling out the old PDF and filling it out manually, pulling out the calculator and crunching the numbers. And I can't imagine doing this. I'm sorry. I it's not that I don't like math, although I don't like math, but I can't imagine the tedium of doing taxes on the paper form, not even just because of the time, but the risk, you know, the, 
the laws change all the time. They constantly change. So going that old route, I did that a couple of times when I was younger, back when I was in my twenties. And I couldn't imagine doing that now, especially because I have businesses, but even though my personal, it's still nuts. The laws change all the time from rental income things and capital gains things. Cryptocurrency is now a thing. Like I can't imagine going that route. And then you talk about when, when Obamacare was on the form, you had to indicate whether you had, you know, health insurance. And if you didn't, you had to pay us something. I can't imagine having to, but apparently he was doing this, right? So I'm, I gave him grief about it because come on, really? Are you serious? No problem, but <laughs> I'm not doing that brother. So now I have to acquire the software again. And if you didn't know, certain of the software, you can acquire it. And when you do your taxes, if you're lucky to get a refund, I say lucky, and that's a scam. More on that in a minute. But if you're fortunate enough to get a refund, you can actually have part of it sent to you as bonds from the federal government. They're paper bonds, but still bonds. I did that, and I actually had some bonds stacked, and that helped me when I was in a tough spot, um, having those on deck because they had matured. So I was able to get some cash to help me out a little bit. So that was a smart decision. I had done that back in 2013, yes. And I just tossed them in a box, uh, you know, um, a tissue box or something and had them there and then realized, you know what? I can cash these out when I was having a spot, took them down to the local bank. Cause you can take them to any bank. Now the young gal, she didn't really know how to do it. She had to call somebody who had some more seniority, but, and it takes a long time cause they got to do them one by one and you got to sign them and fill them out. But great way to have a store of money, basically just kind of put it away that you really shouldn't touch because if you take them and you sell them before they mature, you might be taking a loss, but it's great to say, I'm putting some money, stash some money away for five years, kind of like the whole mattress situation. So you can do that, paper bonds. I believe it's series I, paper bonds. You can redeem them online. The problem is they force you to that garbage. I think it was IDV at the time, but they force you to some garbage verification. And then they tell you, well, you got to fill out this form and take it to a bank and have the banker sign it. Deep, deep, deep. And I was like, if I'm going to be forced to go to the bank, I might as well just go to the bank and cash it out and screw this online garbage you're doing. So you can do that, or you can take part of it and get a refund as an Amazon credit. So if you shop Amazon on a frequent basis, you can do that as well. The reason I said that the whole refund is a scam, because it technically is a scam. If we look at the tax filing process, the tax filing process is nothing more than the government forcing you to justify why they should give you your money back because in W-2, it's withheld from you. You have your withholdings, you know, based on how many kids you have and all these exemptions and all that. They change the form. It's a lot more complicated and convoluted. People get it wrong all the time. I'm having to tell them, no, this is what it's really asking you for. But it's all a scam because what they do is they withhold. They tell your employer to hold back money from you that you're entitled to. Even in states that don't have a state income tax, you still have federal. Even if you don't have any sort of income tax, you still had Social Security, all these other added little things off the side. So no matter what, money's taken from you, taken out of your pocket. And then the quote refund is really, you have to go through this form process and either pay somebody almost $200 plus to fill out this stupid form with data they already have. Did you know that they already have that information? They already have everything that your employer reported to them because your employer reported it to them. So you have to justify why you should get your money back from them. 
That's what the refund process is. People get excited about that garbage. And even though it's a scam, they're taking money from you before you even get to touch it. And then you have to justify why you should get it back. And then if you weren't paying attention in, I believe it was 2022, where there were delays in people getting their tax refund. Do you know that the reason that there was delays in the tax refund is because they changed the rules for the child tax credit and other ones that added a burden on the IRS. And the IRS is like, we don't have the staff to keep up with this deep, deep, deep. Meanwhile, certain people started to depend on their refunds. I know because I was one of these people when I was much younger until I realized it was a scam. When you bake yourself around the refund, you depend on the refund. You know, I'm going to get this refund and I'm going to pay off my credit cards. and I'm going to do all this type of stuff. It's, it's essentially a Ponzi in some form because you're depending on something that is money that shouldn't have been taken from you in the first place, waiting for it to come back to you when it never should have been taken from you in the first place. So I've never liked the refund process. You can adjust your forms to get it to where your refund is minimized. That's actually what they want you to do. They want you to make selections where it nets out zero, where you don't get a refund. But that means you have to wean yourself off the dependency of a refund. If you stay stuck in that trap of depending on and being excited about that $300 refund, and get, I, I get it, when you're not making significant amounts of money per year, every little bit helps. I'm saying that what they really want you to do is get to the point where there is no refund. You have to adjust your numbers to get to that point. You have to do things to get enough or minimize, I should say, minimize your deductions to where you get enough in that front end to where you're not having to get it taken out. That's hard because some people are not going to waste the time doing it. There was a gal I knew back when I'm in my 20s and I was doing my own taxes electronically and I offered to do hers for her, mostly because I had a crush on her. So I did her taxes. I think I calculated like a $400 refund. She got pissed off at me. Why? Because she wanted to do it the shady way and I refused. And so she had somebody else do it and they came back with like a $1,500. I'm like, yeah, I, they come after you, you, you know. So <laughs> I'm saying that the whole refund business is a scam, in my opinion. And I've never banked on the refund. The refund is kind of just whatever. And I've either tossed it into bonds or tossed it into Amazon because it's not, I don't, I don't bake my day-to-day around the refund process because I know it's a scam. It's money that should never been taken from me in the first place. So if you are getting close to, or maybe you've already done it, if you have, kudos to you. But if you're getting close to filing your taxes, be thinking about a couple of things. Number one, make sure if you decide to do it yourself, I would recommend, if you're not already, using some of the applications that are out there. My brother's big hang-up was apparently him. He didn't really like being charged 60 bucks a year to do that. Now, of course, a cup of coffee once a day for a month is probably exceeding that. Regardless, I would recommend that you consider some of the programs out there. There are actually some free ones for federal tax filing. Tax Act is one that I've used for decades. Now, they got bought out, and it's nowhere near as good as it used to be, but it's still available as a thing. And that one lets you do the bonds. H&R Block has software you can purchase if you'd like to, and that gives you the Amazon credit, and they give you a bonus. If you, they do that every year if you want to do that one. Uh, Tax Act, Tax Cut, that's another one. So there's a number of them out there. You also can go to IRS's e-file directly, and that's free for the federal, not for the state. If you're in some states where you don't have to file a tax form, and that's one good thing I will say about Nevada is, is of course, not having to do that, but... If you're in a state where you don't have to file a tax form, the other thing to think about that he brought up 
Sometimes you work in one state and you live in another one, especially in this world of remote. So in his case, he has to file both states because the state that he works in says, yeah, we get you live over there. It's still going to make you file because you work over here. Deep, deep, deep. You know, so, and I think that's a scam because I've been in the situation of this blended state situation. I had that when I went to Oregon because my primary residence was still in Colorado. And then I moved to Oregon and I had to, and Oregon doesn't have a uh, situation, but I had to at least account for the fact that Colorado was still a thing when I then went to Nevada because I wasn't in Oregon for a full year. I was only in Oregon for like six months after that joke of a company I worked at. So I went to Nevada. And so now I got this blended situation of three states, Colorado, Oregon, and Nevada. And I had to file Colorado and Nevada both. But I've had work in California, let's say, and then I lived in some other state and I never had to file California because I never stepped foot in there, not for work purposes. It was always a remote and, you know, there was nothing of me touching the state. So no, I didn't need to do it. In his case, apparently he does. So that's something else to keep in mind. Your cost of whatever software you choose may go higher as you have to introduce additional state filings to the software. But I still, if you're one of those that's like him, that was just filling out the PDF year over year, I, I have nothing but respect for you. I still would recommend you consider the software if for no other reason than your risk protection, because that's very risky if you're filling out that PDF yourself. The last part I'll call out before I wrap up here, if I don't get out on the road this weekend, uh, it means I'll have to pay rent again, which really bothers me um, to be frank, quite frank. But the other part is I'm trying to see if I can trade the car on something else. That's going to shift some things because I'll have to just buy it cash straight out. And I didn't plan to do that. So anybody who happens to be in the Nevada area state, I'm talking anywhere in the state, it doesn't matter at this point, who's in the Nevada state area, and you happen to be aware of local salvaging yards, because what I plan to do is just get some quotes. And if the quote's not that bad, like they're not trying to rip me off because they see that there's value in the parts, like maybe they can farm the parts out to people who are looking, hit us up here at casualtalkradio.net slash contact. Let us know if you got some information and you're in the state of Nevada somewhere. It doesn't matter where in the state of Nevada. Let us know if you know of salvaging yards where we can get a quote and just see if they're willing to give us a good quote for this particular car. It's in really, really good shape. I don't mind selling it to the salvaging yard at this point because I'm not going to register it salvage. And that may help me on the taxes because I can kind of list it as a loss. Whatever that loss amount is, I may be able to deduct it. So yippee for that one. Anyhow, I'm going to get back on the grind, try to see if I can get some progress made on the rest of the move. I can't pack what I want because I'm still talking to you guys. Yeah. And then my, my work stuff, but they all know that I'm kind of poised and ready, excited to get my new office set up. It's been too darn long and I want to get back on video as well for our stream, especially because I did set up the YouTube channel and I want to get back on doing some of those. I will be doing an audio only update there, but for right now, the podcast is still on track on schedule. I don't anticipate any disruption to that. It's only the video where I'm kind of having some challenges with this move. And then the tax filing, I got to figure out that timing and I'll let you know if that disrupts anything that I'm doing. I don't expect that it should, but who knows? It's the IRS and we all know how that goes. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. 
Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process. That's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at casualtalkradio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care, and I will see you on our next upload.